Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. Did you ever want to find out inside info about hotels, things you don't get to ask? Well, on this episode, I'll be asking the questions you want to know. Our guests are general managers and executives of four lodgings around the country. Peter Young, Managing Director of Walker Hotels in New York City. Anton Moore, General Manager of Gansevoort Meatpacking Hotel in New York City. Sergio McLean of Mac and Low Hospitality, Operators of Shinola Hotel in Detroit. And Brian Engelhart, General Manager of Maison de la Luz in New Orleans. Welcome, guys, to Places I Remember. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Hey, good morning. Yeah, this is like having a boy band. This is fun. But I'm going to throw some questions at you, a whole variety of them about hotels, and you can answer any ones you want. Let's start with a basic question. What are the things that a guest should expect in any hotel, be it budget or luxury? Yes. I think that, that stating the obvious is obviously cleanliness. I think any great hotel, whether it be a two-star lodge on the side of a highway or a five-star hotel in New York City, cleanliness is number one. Absolutely. When I go into a hotel, and I've been in thousands because I used to review them for guidebooks, I did the smell test. I can smell it when it, it's not clean. I mean, you can cover it up with all kinds of uh, perfumes and so forth, but cleanliness is number one. I agree. I often to say to the housekeeping team, the tongue on the carpet test. Oh, Did my you goodness. Put your tongue on that carpet? <laughs> it's a good it's a good way because then you can see if somebody's really cleaning would you put your tongue on that now that was pre-covid so i'm not encouraging anybody to put their tongue anywhere now but pre-covid that was always something i used to giggle to myself the tongue test well it used to be the white glove test is there it what does a supervisor come in and check it, how does it usually work i would say the white glove is more popular than the tongue test um, <laughs> But I I do not want to uh, question other operators. <laughs> Does someone come in? I mean, I'm always curious myself when a cleaner comes in and, and a housekeeper comes in. What happens? Does someone check usually afterwards as a supervisor always. or what? Always. always in in every in every hotel around the world, the uh, housekeeping team does their job, and then the supervisor comes in, checks the room, and they are the ones that release the room to the front desk, who will then open it for sale. Post-COVID, what we do then on top of it is that's the final, they, the supervisor does the check, and then we do a final disinfectant, which is a lot of the CDC products that were added, you know, after the pandemic. Is that even in a, a budget hotel? Is it, is chain would also have those standards? I would imagine so. I can't speak for them, but I know I watched a really great, this was 2020 when everything was getting ready to open back up that fall. Marriott did a really great video. So I would imagine through all of their brands, and of course, Marriott own most of the hotels these days. So I would imagine even in the budget hotels that they're doing a disinfectant, but I can't obviously speak for that. That's good to know. I know in some hotels, there's an option whether you want housekeeping every day. Is that so in some of yours? Not in the luxury market. Certainly, I guess, can require if they ask, but we'd, we'd clean every day. I would agree. In the luxury market, it would be the opposite. A customer can request not to have service. They're not comfortable with service, but 
we strive to service every room every day, sometimes twice a day if you have turned down. Very good. Let me ask you about duvets versus bedspreads. Duvets are the popular thing now. Is that part of the cleanliness? Yeah, I think so. I think duvets, a lot of times, truthfully, the secret is that duvets don't need to be changed every stayover date uh, because there is a secondary sheet that separates the body with the duvet. But definitely on checkouts, we call them checkouts, duvets always get changed and get laundered properly and then replaced. Good to know. I always wondered that. What about the throw pillows? I don't like throw pillows because I wonder how often they're cleaned. How often are they cleaned? They're cleaned at every state, not deep clean, not laundered at every state, but they are cleaned every every time there's a, every day a housekeeper goes there, there's the vacuuming, there's the cleaning. In our case, we do use the peroxide solution that was mentioned before after CDC is a spray, it doesn't affect the fabric. And then you vacuum after, and it it does disinfect completely the the throw pillow. And on rotation, you'll take it to the to the laundromat, and you'll deep clean everything. Now, let me just ask you: This is another question. What's an appropriate tip for the staff? What percentage of guests tip the maid as well? Do you know? I would love to think that everybody uh, tips the housekeeper. I don't think people do. I personally, depending on what caliber of hotel I'm staying in and and what type of accommodation, obviously, if it's a guest room versus a suite, I think between five and and ten dollars a day. Now, this is of course New York City. I, you know, I can't speak for other areas of the country, but I can't stress how hard those housekeepers work. Um, and obviously, they're compensated on their paychecks. But it's a lovely thing for a guest to leave some money for the housekeeper. I can speak for other areas of the country, Anton. I will say that most of the housekeepers here get gratuity. I think it's um, our housekeeping team is really folded into our arrival process. So they get to meet almost every guest that arrives in the building. So it helps immensely. And and therefore, I think probably 90% of our guests probably tip out the housekeeping team. That's wonderful to hear. I know because you don't meet the housekeeper very often, it's an easy thing to forget. When you meet them, it's a very hard thing to forget. So I would put in a plug, please remember the housekeepers. Yes. (laughs) Okay, here's another one. What odd things have been left behind by guests in your hotel? Oh, geez. Who's got one? I think think, think for me, the number one is adult toys. (laughs) <laughs> like like vibrators and dildos and stuff like that. Uh, You're left behind? Why. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I have a picture yes. of one on my phone that I had to take because it was bright purple, and I and I thought it was incredible. <laughs> and here I thought this podcast, is this being recorded in the evening? Is people listening? I, I, I wrote on my piece of paper, well, um, into, uh, adult intimate items. <laughs> Obviously, this is not a general but, but, you know, Those things are expensive. Like, I wouldn't leave that behind, you know? That's so personal, but... I found a few of those left behind. I, I guess it was a good night. Well, I'll ask what happens to them when they're left behind. No, you know, we do keep them because we keep all lost and found items. Each hotel has a, has a different holding pattern. We keep ours for 60 days. If you call, we do return it to you. After 60 days, we discard <laughs> it. We donate it to charity. We would not donate that to charity. That item would be discarded. Okay. It's a good call. <laughs> Any others? <laughs> or should I? Well, the oddest thing in my career has been we had a um a fake leg left behind and wow. and everybody kind of was scratching their heads and we actually got a call about it but it was a medical company that was there on a meeting but it had us all a little bit concerned for a couple of days yeah i, I would think it'd be hard to forget it 
<laughs> well, you, yes. Yeah, Peter has one. Okay. We had a celebrity, and I won't share his name with uh, the, on this podcast. Not not the this, initials. Uh, <laughs> DQ. Anyway, okay. security called and said, "You're not going to believe this, but there's literally like six thousand four hundred dollars in cash in the safe." So we were lucky to able to contact this person, and it was funny because he did not even realize he left that money in the safe. He, oh he was shocked oh and was like confused. And then he realized, oh yeah, maybe I did. And then he sent his handler or his supports person to come. And I said, I don't feel comfortable handing $6,400 to some random person. And he said to me, don't worry about it. Code word rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I can ask is, do you open the safe after every guest leaves? Is we that a do. We do. We double check. Yes. We double check because it was locked. It was locked. And if you leave, we do go in there after you check out to make sure you didn't leave anything. That is a protocol. If it's a stayover, obviously we don't go into it, but we security went into it as a protocol and we were able to return the money back to the celebrity. Wow. It's also a safety need. You have to check the safe. There might be medication there and another guest might not interact well with that medication. Sometimes there are weapons. I think on my end, the only thing that I haven't seen left behind is babies and dogs. Otherwise, I've seen pretty much everything. I'm still waiting one day to go into a room and find a baby, but oh hasn't happened. Goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. So let me ask you about pets. Do you have any interesting stories about pets in your hotels? Are they allowed in your hotels? They are absolutely allowed on every, every hotel we've managed uh, running, yeah. including Shinola Hotel. Uh, we're pet friendly. We do not charge a pet fee. We do have a waiver if there is damage or to, you know, extra cleaning needed, we may charge after that. But otherwise, we consider them part of the family and, and we welcome them in. Do you keep special rooms for people with pets or can they go in any room? The opposite. We keep we keep two floors clear for people with no pets. So there's, there's two floors where we don't accept pets. If anybody has allergies, that's where they will go. Otherwise, the rest of the hotel floors are typically open. And in our case, we have one floor that is the preferred guest floor for pets because we have a dog walk, a terrace with a dog walk at the hotel. So they don't even have to leave the property. Do people bring cats? I always wondered. I have a cat and I never hear about that. I know they don't like to travel. They do. They do. But they're not as, as they're not as popular. And in our case, we did draw a line on the weight of the pet, whether it's a dog or a cat and, you know, no exotic pets like big parrots or snakes, things like that. We don't. We don't accept. The rest of you as well? Yeah. 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 The, best, the best are celebrity pets. Oh, please oh. tell us. Celebrity pets are, are my favorite. We had a guest and dog's name was Audrey. And when the handler would call down room service, they would act as if the, the dog was the actual guest or a child. So Audrey will be dining at three o'clock this afternoon. She would like organic boiled chicken cubed. And she got it, I have no doubt. And she got it, and she got it. Served on a room service tray, and that's how she dined each day. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What about other strange demands from guests? Anybody? So used to demands. I don't think we we see anything as strange anymore. That's, I think, why we're all thinking, what is a strange demand? I would say anything that you can demand is like, what can you leave behind? It will be left behind. If there's anything you can think of, somebody has asked for it somewhere at some time. You always try to do it. We think reason. Nobody that affects another guest. 
not when it compromises safety or property, not when it's absolutely somebody wants a helicopter pad built in the rooftop. We're not going to do it. To the extent that we can offer an alternative, we will offer an alternative. Good. I think one that we deal with here, not often, but it's a very uncomfortable demand, is the request for drugs or prostitutional services or companionship. You'll have some guests that slip some words in there suggesting that they need those services. And obviously, we, we can't accommodate on those services. And there's an appropriate way of telling the guests, we'll help you, but we can't help you with that one. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. have interesting guests. <laughs> What's the best way to get a good rate? There's a lot of question about that, whether you should book through the hotel directly or, or what do you suggest? Always hotel direct. Uh, to us on the luxury on the luxury segmentation you know there are there are other hotels where packages and discounts and you know they don't have rate integrity and and they always compete on rate rather than services i think everybody here competes on services and is fairly priced against the offering so if you're loyal if you if you contact us at the hotel and you communicate in a good manner there's a good chance that you'll get the best deal possible for that day guess if they book directly with us or are generally going to get the same rates that are available out there. We don't play the discount game a lot. And generally our our guests aren't looking for a deal, but the best way to get upgrades and everything once you're arrived is to be kind, just be nice. I think we have a mantra here about leading with kindness whenever we deal uh, with our guests, but it goes both ways. Guests that are really, really nice to us also tend to get better perks. Always. Or if they just ask nicely, you know. So the, fr- the front desk has the discretion. If you say this is my anniversary, do you have an upgraded room? They would have the discretion or they have to go to the manager. How would that work? They would have the discretion. Especially in the luxury market. You have to empower yes. the team. You know, I always say I'm, I'm not going to be upset or cross if right. you've done something to go above and beyond within reason. I used to work for a brand and we had a statement that each team member could do up to $2,000. I actually think it's an old Ritz Carlton thing. But so the team should always feel empowered to go that extra mile within reason. I couldn't agree with uh, Brian Moore. Kindness and being polite and treating one another with respect across the board in the service industry, whether you're in a hotel or a restaurant or on an airplane. If you treat the team with kindness, they, they're going to appreciate that. It goes, it goes a long way for sure. Yeah. It's becoming more and more a trend when you see meetings with the team members, at least on our end. And for what I'm hearing, I'm sure it's commonplace for everybody here. You know, there is that thing of like the squeaky wheel gets the attention. It's not so in hotels. You will get the attention if you're the squeaky wheel, but more often than not, We'll get a good email. We'll get a response. We'll get a kindness. We'll get somebody that treated somebody really well. And that's when we say, please note on their on their profile, next time they stay, get them an upgrade, get them a bottle of champagne. Right. Because we treat people that treat us well, well. And then people that are always complaining or whatnot, you warrant the complaint. You have to fix the issue and recover any failing on our part, but you're not necessarily going to reward a negative communication. Yeah, I've stood in line behind people who were arguing and yelling, and I don't think they get very far. And I think being kind on both sides, as you say, is important. And it's very good to hear this because I think some people are a little shy about asking for an upgraded room or a room with a view. And if there's a special occasion. Yeah, in service, like we don't have really programs of entitlement um, as such as 
anniversaries get amenities automatically or birthdays and whatnot. We do have them, but what I mean by entitlement is we do not tell the guests that we have them. Is the team right. member that rewards them. So when we know that it's your birthday, you'll be surprised. And that's the idea, to surprise you. 100%. Good to know. Good to and know. I, think, I think it's to, to empower people properly. I, I always talk about having a psychologically safe environment for yeah. my, uh, my team members so that they're not afraid that they're going to get in trouble if they do something to surprise and delight a guest. It's all about giving guests that experience of true delight. It makes a, a trip more fun when you get these surprises. It's very yes. pleasurable. And sometimes it's just a cattling. We had a, a team member, a fairly new team member at the front desk here in Detroit. And he just learned just by seeing the guest arrive, guest was coming to a funeral, a funeral of, of her mom's. And obviously the guest, the, the team member didn't say anything. He just went right away, got flowers, got, you know, a number of things and, and placed them in the room. It was quiet. It was nothing was said, nothing was boasted about, but that guest, it was meaningful in, in all the right way. Um, Absolutely. So it's not just celebrating, it's, it's just caring for the human interaction with the guest and, and listening and talking. Uh, I know as, as yes. a traveler, to me, the most important thing is service and the feeling you're telling me is, is excellent. Yes. Service. Yeah. Well, the name of the podcast is Places I Remember. So let's go one by one. Tell us about your experience in the hotel business. Peter, would you start? Sure. I was a hotel manager of a hotel in Vermont called the Equinox. And the hotel is 250 years old. And rumor has it that you know some rooms are haunted. And I won't tell you what room numbers. <laughs> oh, really? I, but, I've stayed there, by the way. So I hope I wasn't in the room. <laughs> but I was reluctant to believe that it was. But one time a guest came up to me and said, hey, by the way, I want to complain there's a young girl in the room. So we checked the reservation system. No one was checked into that room. And the guest said, you know, you may want to be able to find their parents. Well, nonetheless, there was no guest checked in the room. We went in the room and there was no little girl in the room. So that sent chills up my spine. Oftentimes in that particular room, people would leave room service food orders and they'd come back after a long day and all the dishes would be flipped upside down. And then there would also be um, lights that turn off and on by themselves. Like, so you believe what you want to believe, how the lights automatically turned on, <laughs> where that little girl went. Thank you, Peter. Okay, Anton, how about you? I think for me, I mean, I had the great honor of working at the Waldorf Astoria for 10 years in New York. This was before the Waldorf Astoria was Waldorf Astorias all over the world. This was the one and only the original. And uh, six of the 10, I handled the entertainment market. I have stories the length of my arm with the interaction of celebrity. But one of my my most favorite times of year, we used to host the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And oh <laughs> I, I being an Irishman, I was very excited the year that you two were inducted. And I had the great pleasure of picking up the boys. Uh, they were staying on two different floors. And I picked up Larry and the Edge first, and then I went upstairs to pick up Bono, and we were all of us in the elevator. Bono knew that I was Irish, and so we were coming down the elevator, we were supposed to go into the back of the ballroom, and we instead went to the, the bar at the time, was called Bull and Bear. We had a pint of Guinness together, and I think um, wow. that's probably the most memorable of my 21 years in New York City. Um, so that was a pretty unique experience. 
And I think the time working at the Waldorf was just an incredible, it was an incredible moment in my career that I, that I cherish. Thank you. Brian, how about you? Oh, geez. I, I'm going to talk about Maison de la Luz for a minute. I will say that this hotel, uh, when I originally got the call, they were interested in me coming over as GM. I heard the name. They, they said, you know, this hotel, Maison de la Luz. And being a New Orleans native, I thought, well, that's really, really clever because it's it's both French and Spanish, which is the history of our city as being French and Spanish. And so, you know, it means the house of the light. After spending several months during pre-opening, one of my fondest memories is the day before we opened to the public is helping scrub the stairwell in the front of the building and just the immense amount of pride in with my staff and the fact that we've been very successful and the fact probably about 90% of my staff from, from 19, 2019 is still here. And so it is an extremely great memory and one that I will always cherish. And it's a lovely hotel. And I hope you get a chance to come visit us. Well, thank you. That is lovely. Sergio. I think my, my, I also am an old cat, so I have a lot of, a lot of memories, but I think my favorite is about the early 2000s. I was a food and beverage operator then, and I wanted to get into the hotel industry. So I requested to be transferred to this high-end hotel on the food and beverage side. And I always remember the front desk and the lobby because to me, to this date, on that specific year period, it was the best operation I've ever seen. It was that everybody was having fun. The culture was perfect. The interaction with the customer, the service standards, the way the manager specifically, there's a manager that to me was the real center of that hotel and, and everything, all the culture and the service. And I was immediately drawn. Unfortunately, this manager didn't share those feelings about me. So she kept trying to push me away from the front desk and send me back to the restaurant. The reason this is a good memory is because 18 years down the line, I'm still married to her and she's my <laughs> partner in the company. Um, I won't say she still pushes me away quite a bit, uh, but <laughs> it's by far that moment in my life is what made me commit to the hotel industry. And specifically, she's my partner in business too. And, and specifically her acumen and her standards are what make us relatively successful in this industry. So it will forever be my memory. Well, I, I don't blame you on that one. That's yeah. wonderful. Please say that you're married to the business. Right. I can literally say that. Yes, I can. <laughs> well, guys, this has been fun and we've learned a lot. And much of this information will help as we travel and when we stay in hotels around the world. So thank you so much, Peter, Anton, Brian, and Sergio. You can look at the links in the show notes for more information about each of their hotels and lodgings. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you, Leah. You. Thank you very much. Thanks, Shay. Thank you. Thanks, Leah. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. Follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, PlacesIRememberLealane.com, and keep making your own travel memories. <laughs>